Section 70 of Lay Down Your Arms. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Lay Down Your Arms by Bertha von Suttner. Translated by Timothy Holmes. Chapter 17, Part 1. We remain in Paris to get ready a new house. The question between France and Prussia candidature of prince hohenzollern for the crown of spain the war rumors and the speeches in the chamber become menacing the hohenzollern candidature withdrawn further demands of france threatening debate in the french chamber war declared excitement and enthusiasm in paris with which side should we sympathize the opposing manifestos we linger in paris Opinions about war of eminent French writers. Proclamations of the two armies. Secret history. Paris society again dispersed in all directions. We, however, remain behind on business, for an extraordinarily advantageous bargain had been offered to us. Through the sudden departure of an American, a little half-finished hotel in the Avenue de la Imperatrice had had to be offered for sale, and at a price which did not amount to much more than the sum already expended on the decoration and furnishing of the thing itself as we had already the intention of spending in future some months of each year in paris and as the purchase in question was also at the same time an excellent bargain we closed with it we wished to superintend the completion ourselves and for this purpose stopped in paris the decoration of one's own nest is besides such a pleasurable task that we willingly endured the unpleasantness of staying in the city the whole summer besides we had plenty of houses to which we could resort for company the chateau of prince martilde of st gratien then chateau moshi and the next baron rothschild's place ferrieres and other summer residences besides our acquaintance were situated near paris and we arranged once or twice a week to pay a visit now to one of them, now to another. It was, I recollect, in the salon of Prince Mathilde that I first heard of the question that was soon to come into agitation. The company was sitting, after de Genour, on the terrace looking on to the park. Who were all the people there? I do not recollect them all now. Only two of the persons present remain in my memory, Taine and Renan. The conversation was a very lively one and i recollect that it was renan chiefly who led the talk sparkling with esprit and witticisms the author of the vie de jesus is an example that a man may be incredibly ugly and yet exercise an incredible fascination now the talk turned upon politics a candidate had been sought for the crown of spain a prince of hohenzollern was to receive the crown i had scarcely been listening for what could the throne of spain or he who was to sit upon it have to do with me or all these nonchalant folks here but then someone said a hohenzollern france would not permit that the words cut me to the heart for what did that not permit imply when such an utterance comes from any country one sees with one's mind's eye the statue personifying that country as a gigantic virgin her head thrown back in defiance her hand on her sword the conversation however soon turned to another subject 
how full of tremendous results this question of the spanish throne would be none of us yet suspected i of course did not either only that arrogant france would not permit that stuck in my memory like a discord and along with it the whole scenery did so in which it was spoken from that time the question of the spanish throne became constantly more loud and more pressing every day the space became larger which it occupied in the newspapers and in conversations in the salons and i know that it bored me to the highest degree this hohenzollern candidature soon there was nothing else spoken of and it was spoken of in an offended tone as if nothing more insulting to france could take place most people saw behind it a provocation to war on the part of prussia but it was clear so it was said that france could not permit such a thing so if the hohenzollerns persisted in it that is a simple challenge i could not understand that but in other respects i was free from anxiety we received letters from berlin telling us from my well-instructed quarter that not the slightest importance was attached at court to the secession of the hohenzollern to the spanish crown and therefore we were much more occupied with the work at our house than with politics but gradually we became more attentive to the subject for all that as before the storm a certain rustling of leaves goes through the forest so before war a rustle of certain voices goes through the world nous la guerre nous la guerre was what resounded in the air of paris then an unspeakable anxiety possessed me not for my own people for we as austrians were at first out of the game on the contrary we might possibly have some satisfaction offered to us the well-known revenge for sadawa but we had untaught ourselves the habit of looking at war from a national point of view and what war is from the point of view of humanity of the highest humanity is surely notorious that is expressed in the following words which i heard spoken by guy de maupassant when je sens seulement à ces mots la guerre il me vient un enfermement comme si l'on me parlait de sorcellerie d'inquisition d'une chose lointaine finie abominable contre nature when the news arrived that the crown had been offered by prim to prince leopold the duke of gromont made a speech in parliament which was received with great approbation to the following effect we do not meddle with the affairs of foreign nations but we do not believe that respect for the rights of a neighboring state binds us to permit a foreign power by seating one of its own princes on the throne of charles v to destroy to our detriment the equilibrium which exists between the states of europe oh that equilibrium what war-loving hypocrite invented that hollow phrase and so bring into danger the interests the honors of france i know a tale of george sand named griboil this griboil has the peculiarity when rain is threatened of plunging into the river for fear of getting wet whenever i hear that war is contemplated in order to avert threatened dangers i can never help thinking of griboil a whole branch of hohenzollerns might very well have seated themselves on charles v's throne and many other thrones as well without exposing the interests or the honor of france to one thousandth part of the damage that resulted to them from this bold we cannot permit it the case the speaker continued will as we most confidently believe not occur we reckon in this regard on the wisdom of the german and the friendship of the spanish people 
but if it should turn out otherwise then gentlemen we strong in our support and that of the nation shall know how to do our duty without vacillation and without weakness loud applause from that time began in the press the cry for war it was Jaradim in particular who could not inflame his countrymen sufficiently to punish the unheard-of audacity contained in this candidature for the throne it would be unworthy of the dignity of france not to interpose her veto upon it prussia it is true would not give in for she is bent mad as she is on conjuring up war intoxicated by her success of eighteen sixty six she believes that she may extend her march of victory and robbery on the rhine also but thank god we are ready to balk all these appetites of the pickelhaubers and so it went on in the same key napoleon the third it is true as we found out through persons who were about him still wished as before for the preservation of peace but most of the people of his entourage now thought that a war was inevitable that since apart from all this there was discontent among the people with the government the best thing that could be done to secure the respect of the country anxious as it was for glory would be to carry out a successful war il faut faire grand and now inquiries were made of all the european cabinets about the situation each declared that they wished for peace in germany a manifesto was published originating in popular articles signed by liebknecht amongst others wherein it was said the mere thought of a war between germany and france is a crime benedetti was sent with the charge of demanding from the king of prussia that he would forbid prince leopold to assume the crown king william was at that moment taking the waters at ems benedetti went there and got an audience on july ninth what would the result be i waited for the news with trembling the answer of the king simply said that he could not forbid anything to a prince who had attained adult years this sent the war party into triumphant joy there will you suffer that do they want to provoke us to the utmost that the head of the house cannot command or forbid anything to one of its members ridiculous it is clearly a made-up plot the hohenzollerns want to get a footing in spain and then fall upon our country from the east and south at once and are we to wait for that are we to be content to take with humility the utter disregard of our protest surely not we know what honor what patriotism commands us to do ever louder and louder ever more and more threatening sounded the storm warnings then on july twelfth came a piece of news which filled me with delight don salusto olizaga announced officially to the french government that prince leopold of hohenzollern in order not to give any pretext for war refused to assume the crown offered to him now thank god the entire question is thus simply put aside the news was communicated to the chamber at noon and oliver declared that this put an end to the dispute yet on the same day troops and war material were forwarded to metz publicly said to be in pursuance of previous orders and in the same sitting clement d'evernois put the following question what securities have we that prussia will not originate fresh complications like this spanish candidature that should be provided against there griboil again comes up again it may happen perhaps at some time that a trifling rain may threaten to wet us so let us jump into the river at once and so benedetti was dispatched again to ems this time to demand of the king of prussia that he would forbid prince leopold once for all and for all future time to revive his candidature 
what could follow such an attempt at dictating a course of action which the party on whom the demand is made is not competent to carry out except an impatient shrug of the shoulders those who made the demand must have known as much there was another memorable sitting on july fifteenth Oliver demanded a credit of five hundred million francs for the war. There is opposed it. Oliver replied. He took on himself to justify before the bar of history what had been done. The king of Prussia had refused to receive the French envoy, and had notified this to the government in a letter. The left wanted to see this letter. The majority forbade by clamor and by a counter-vote the production of the document, which probably had no existence this majority supported any demand made by the government in favor of the war this patriotic readiness for sacrifice which would accept even ruin without hesitation was of course again applauded becomingly with the usual ready-made terms of sentence july sixteenth england made attempts to prevent the war in vain ah if there had been an arbitration court established how easily and simply might such a trivial dispute have been decided July 19th, the French Chars d'Affaires in Berlin handed the Prussian government the declaration of war, three words which can be pronounced quite calmly, but what is connected with them? The beginning of an extra-political action, and thus, along with it, half a million sentences of death. This document also entered into the red volumes. It runs thus. The government of His Majesty, the Emperor of the French, could not regard the design of raising a Prussian prince to the throne of spain otherwise than as an attack on the territorial security of france and has therefore found itself compelled to request from his majesty the king of prussia the assurance that such a combination should never again occur with his consent as his majesty refuses any such assurance and has on the contrary declared to our ambassador that he must reserve to himself the possibilities of such an event and inquire into the circumstances the imperial government cannot help recognizing this declaration of the king an arrière-pensée which for france and for the european equilibrium there it comes again this famous equilibrium look at this shelf and the precious china on it it is tottering the dishes may fall so let us smash it down this declaration has assumed a still graver character from the communication which has been made to the cabinet of the refusal to receive the emperor's ambassador and to introduce in common with him a new method of solution so by such things as these by a more or less friendly conversation between rulers and diplomatists the fate of nations may be decided in consequence of this the french government has thought it its duty without delay to think of the defence yes yes defence never attack of its outraged dignity and its outraged interests and being determined to employ for that and all means which are offered by the position which has been imposed upon it regards itself from this time forward as in a state of war with prussia state of war does the man think who puts these words on paper on the green cloth of his writing-table that he is plunging his pen in flames in tears of blood in the poison of plague and so the storm is unchanged this time on account of a king being sought for a vacant throne and as the consequence of a negotiation undertaken between two monarchs must kant then be right in his first definitive condition for everlasting peace the civil constitution in every state should be republican 
to be sure the effect of this article would be to remove many causes of war for history shows how many campaigns have been undertaken for dynastic questions and the whole establishment of monarchical power rests assuredly on successful conduct of war still republics also are warlike it is the spirit the old savage spirit which lights up hatred lust of plunder and ambition of conquests in peoples whether governed in one form or another i recollect what an altogether peculiar humour seized me at this time when the franco-german war was in preparation and then broke out the stormy sultrines before the howling tempest after its declaration the whole population was in a fever and who can keep himself aloof from such an epidemic naturally according to old custom the beginning of the campaign was at once looked on as a triumphal procession that is no more than patriotic duty ah berlin ah berlin was shouted through the streets and from the outside of the omnibuses the marseillaise at every street corner le jour de gloire est arrive at every theatrical representation the first actress or singer at the start at the opera it was marie sas had to come before the curtain in a jeanne d'arc costume waving a flag and sing this battle song which was received by the audience standing in which they often joined we also were among the spectators one evening frederick and i and we also had to rise from our seats i say i had to not from any external pressure for we could of course have withdrawn to the back of the box but had to because we were electrified look martha frederick explained to me a spark like that which runs from one man to another and makes this whole mass rise to one united and excited heartbeat that is love what do you mean it is surely a song of hatred that their unholy blood may sink into our furrows that is no matter united hatred also is one form of love wherever two or more unite in one common feeling they love each other let but a higher conception than that of the nation i e of mankind and of humanity once more be seized as the general idea and then ah i sighed when will that be when that is a very relative term in regard to the duration of our life never in regard to that of our race tomorrow end of section seventy